Today on Reparations in Action. You know, what we're talking about, what is disrupting and making um, people so uncomfortable and tired of it, white people, is the resistance of African people. You're listening to Reparations in Action. Reparations now! Uhuru. You're listening to the Reparations in Action podcast and FM radio show, The White Lies Shattered series. My name is Jamie Simpson. White Lies Shattered is a program of reparations in action exposing the insidious lies that we tell ourselves as white or European people about the nature and origin of America and the current social system. We believe reparations to African people is the key question of our times and is one that demands action on the part of European or white people. As always, we'd like to salute Black Power 96, where this show is aired and recorded for our podcast weekly. This week, we are summing up the recent acquittal of Kyle Rittenhouse, the 18-year-old white vigilante who murdered two protesters and seriously wounded a third at a protest over the police shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin in August of 2020. This verdict, this acquittal, has reignited protests and outrage over the impunity with which white cops and regular white citizens have been able to murder African and indigenous people. It is of note that the three people Rittenhouse shot were white people who had been mobilized by the resistance of Africans to colonial terror. Joining me today to sum up this historical moment are Penny Hess, chair of the African People's Solidarity Committee and author of Overturning the Culture of Violence, and Jesse Neville, chair of the Uhuru Solidarity Movement. Uhuru, and welcome back to Reparations in Action, Chair Jesse and Chairwoman Penny. Uhuru, Jamie. Uhuru. So exciting to be here, and Uhuru, Jesse. Uhuru to you, Chairwoman Penny, and to Jamie. Great to be here as always. And I'm so happy that that you're back with us. As a brief background, I just want to remind everyone that we are talking about the acquittal of the 17-year-old at the time he was 17 who came out to allegedly defend property against protesters in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And this is where Jacob Blake Jr., an African man, had been shot five times in the back by police and he was paralyzed by this shooting. This was an outrageous police shooting of yet another unarmed African person that happened just a couple of months after the mobilizations and uprisings that broke out in just about every city in the U.S. in response to the murders of Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and George Floyd. And we should also note that as we speak, the trial of Travis and Gregory McMichael and William Bryan in the murder of Ahmad Aubrey is wrapping up. A closing statements are being made in Georgia, and an almost all-white jury will deliberate on uh, the outcome of that trial. So I wanted to start by just getting a general response from both of you to this acquittal of Rittenhouse and ask what you think people, especially white people who support liberation and justice for African people, and those who have been mobilized into political life and activism since the murder of George Floyd, what they should take 
from this acquittal that once again seems to have given the legal stamp of approval to white nationalist vigilante colonial violence. And going forward, does this acquittal represent a serious threat to organizers and activists? And and how should we deal with that threat? Thank you, Jamie. I would say that that it's a perfect example of what Chairman Omalia Shatella and the African People's Socialist Party uh, define as colonialism inside the borders of the United States, that the uh, conditions of, of African people are without power, are facing whatever the colonial U.S. government wants to inflict on them and whatever decision that, um, that, you know, the white government and power structure, if you will, want to do. Whatever they want to do to African people, they can do it. And the only time that we see some accountability is when the resistance of African people in one way or another is so fierce that it forces the colonial powers into um, into a particular stand that um, that African people that the colonized would be demanding, and we do see this. We see the um, the uprisings of last year in response to the police murders of George Floyd that were just you know thousands and thousands and thousands of people, African people led by the African working class, um, marched in protest to that murder, that vicious police murder. And we also saw more white people marching in solidarity than, than we've ever seen come out before. And it was, a, it was a powerful thing that forced the US government to have to acknowledge the colonial question, the question of reparations, the fact that this country and capitalism are born from the assault on Africa. and the kidnapping of African human beings, the theft of their labor, their um, brilliance, and, um, and, and turning, you know, turning African people and, and their stolen labor into a mode of production that is the very mode of produ- production of the capitalist system. I mean, so I just think that this is, this is just an example of this and, and we have to, we should not be surprised this is why the struggle for African people has been defined as the struggle for power over their own lives. Jesse, what do you what do you say about that? I totally agree with all of what what you just said, Chairwoman Penny. And um, by the time this um, this episode of White Lives Shatters shattered uh, airs on Friday, the United States will have just wrapped up the Thanksgiving holiday which, as we know, is a celebration of genocide against the indigenous people and the theft of their land. And there's a direct connection between the colonial violence that is either obscured or openly celebrated on Thanksgiving and the case of Kyle Rittenhouse, um, which is that, as Chairman Amali Chatella talks about, the colonial state in this country and globally, um, that instrument of organized violence and coercion that you know is wielded by the colonizer to secure power and resources from the colonized has always been a, a, a white people's state, a state mm-hmm. that 
involves the enthusiastic and active participation of white civilians or the general white population who act as an extension of the colonial state. And this is also well documented in the, in your book, Overturning the Culture of Violence. Um, and, you know, that the whole history of the genocide against indigenous people, the enslavement and assault on African people, the lynchings, is the story of not just police and armies, but regular white people banding together with guns and knives and, and ropes and bombs uh, and functioning as the foot soldiers and shock troops of colonialism. And, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse is no different. He's following in, that, in those footsteps when he travels across state lines into Wisconsin with the express purpose of protecting property during a time when African people are rising up and taking back what belongs to them. Uh, that's, you know, he, and he was working with the police. I mean, they, they gave him water bottles. They slapped him on the back and con congratulated him and thanked him for what he was doing. So, you know, he is the police and, uh, white people who want to stand in solidarity with African resistance and the struggle of African and colonized people for liberation, uh, should not be threatened or intimidated at all by what happened, but should feel further emboldened that, we have to be organized and we have to be, we, we can't function as individuals. We have to be organized under the leadership of the colonized African working class who have been bearing the brunt of this kind of colonial carnage and, and horror from day one and who are, who are organizing to fight back and take power as was just stated. And we have to be organized under their leadership and as part of their strategy to bring an end to colonialism once and for all. Uhuru. And, you know, adding to the tension of this moment, the intensity of this moment, you know, along with the Ahmad Aubrey killers uh, trial happening right now, the, the recent acquittal of Kyle Rittenhouse, the nation is reacting to Waukesha, Wisconsin, where there was what, what appears to have been an African man. Um, I believe his name is Daryl. Brooks drove an SUV into about 40 people at a Christmas parade in this town. And there are at least five people dead. There are some 40 people wounded, many of them seriously. And, you know, he was an African man. And these were, this was a group of mostly white people. The right wing or reactionaries are comparing this to the Kyle Rittenhouse situation and some see it as some kind of a uh, response or retaliation for the acquittal of Kyle Rittenhouse. And again, uh, we, we don't have really firm uh, evidence on, on what happened and why. We can't speak to the, the motivation. It seems that the, that this person was coming away from some sort of altercation. The police have denied that they were chasing him, but we don't know. It's possible that the police were chasing him. Uh, all, all we know for sure is that this, uh, this person slammed into a parade of mostly white people. How do we sum up the significance of that, you know, and, and factor it into the, the overall picture of, of what's happening with colonialism right now? Well, I think that the thing that we have to look at is, as always, there is the colonizer and the population of the colonizer and the population of the colonized. Mm -hmm. And resistance 
conscious or even unconscious that goes on all the time or or just the response of African people who find themselves totally surrounded by the colonizer population or even just life itself as imposed upon African people in this country uh, and the reactions that African people might have to that is a completely different thing than the colonizer if inflicting the terror on on African people and indigenous and oppressed peoples around the world. And it's the way that, you know, they always try to say, well, in Iraq and Afghanistan, there were atrocities on both sides. You know, they always try to, to, yeah. to raise that. But no, you know, all resistance of the colonized is justified. Yes. Regardless it is all resistance. It is all viable resistance. Mm -hmm. And African people are, are fighting to be free. You know, like you're saying, we have, I have no idea what the man, the African man that's been accused in Waukesha had on in his brain or, you know, in his thoughts. But we do know that colonialism is defined as an entire population backed up by a foreign and hostile state power oppresses another whole population for profit, mm -hmm. for, you know, creating a pedestal upon which the entire colonizer population lives and gets the livelihood from this this thing called a mode of production of capitalism, which is colonialism, enslavement, genocide, plunder, rape, and war. And, you know, so, so this is always there. I mean, you know, when, what was the year of Dylan Roof in Charleston and just the, the constant hundreds of years of the terrorism against African people called lynching the theft of African resources and, and housing and things called redlining and the, uh, the, the mass imprisonment of African people, the police violence in which thousands are killed year after year after year by the colonial state, the resistance will continue mm -hmm. and it will deepen and there is the leadership of the party of the African working class uh, and Chairman Omali Shatel of that are able to define this question of colonialism and, uh, you know, are educating the masses of African people and, and leading them to um, their right to fight for power, to fight for the return of their stolen resources in the form of reparations and the total liberation of Africa and African people everywhere. Jesse? Wow, I, I unite totally. I mean, I don't have much to add except that, you know, the the only way to get out of the way and be on the right side of the question is to join in solidarity with the resistance of African people. That's that's the only possibility for a future for white people on the planet Earth is to be in solidarity with with the resistance and with the struggle of African people for liberation. So I just, yeah, I totally unite with all of that. Thank you.
thank you for those responses and and for that that clarity. Um, it's you know difficult sometimes to remain objective in these times. I do appreciate you, Chairwoman Penny, for pointing out too for uh, that that uh, the African man. Daryl Brooks, I believe is his name, is yeah. the accused. He's we, we don't even know, right? We, we, we know what he's been accused of, but um, it's a very recent development. So we'll be keeping our eye on that and and try to remember this is all happening in the context of colonialism. Um, and as was mentioned earlier, we're watching the final arguments in the trial of Ahmaud Aubrey's killers play out in Georgia. And they are using, these three white men are using a very familiar defense of claiming self-defense to justify what was obviously a lynching in Brunswick, Georgia. Rittenhouse also claimed, successfully claimed self-defense, as did Trayvon Martin's killer, George Zimmerman, and Darren Wilson, the cop who killed Mike Brown in Ferguson in, in 2014, claimed that they each claimed that they killed the African they killed because they feared for their own life. These white men uh, claim self-defense and successfully avoid any accountability for these murders. In fact, in the case of Zimmerman, Rittenhouse, and Wilson, all received enough financial support from the white community to retire, essentially. Can we talk about this enthusiastic support that we see from for uh, white colonial violence from the majority of white people and the historical role of uh, not only the white police, but regular white citizens in carrying out colonial violence and uh, in defending the colonial state and the status quo of the oppression of African people. Talk about the, the role that that plays in, uh, in history and in what we're seeing play out today. Well, think about how outrageous it is that an African young person is going for a run and he's gunned down while he's on that run. And, and in fact, they filmed it. Yeah. They videoed it and put it out as their right to do. And it was in Brunswick, Georgia. Mm -hmm. How many actual lynchings in you know, a hundred years ago or 50 years ago happened in Brunswick, Georgia and other places. I mean, this is, this is probably not that far from where uh, Desi Woods was attacked by a famous case, by the way, of an African woman who defended herself against a white man who tried to rape her and his and her friend, Cheryl Todd. And they were out in in Georgia, in rural Georgia. Uh, and uh, she grabbed Ronnie Horn's gun and shot him twice to, uh, to end the attack on him. And she was sentenced to 22 years in prison, but she did not serve all of that due to the incredible worldwide nature of support that was built by the African People's Socialist Party and the, the National Committee to defend Desi Woods. So, you know, this is um, this. It's just again, this is colonialism. This is this is what we see in all of these cases. And I think that there are a lot of white people who are sick of this, who do not want to 
to be um, aligned with those white people who are fighting to retain colonial power over, um, you know, over African people and who, who want to have a principled relationship, who want to make a self-criticism, who recognize that, that white people have had the power over African people for any reason at all. Anything that comes into white people's heads is what we have been able to, to carry out, the power of life and death over African people. So that day is over. That day is over. The imperialism, white power, colonialism is in crisis, and African people are struggling for power and are showing that to sum something up as a question of racism is absolutely absurd. Yeah. It's ab exactly. absolutely it's absurd because mm -hmm. it doesn't change anything to try to, you know, as the chairman O'Malley Chatella calls it, the Sisyphean task of mm -hmm. fighting against racism, going mm -hmm. against and changing the ideas in the heads of white people. Right. Our ideas are based on the material reality that we live in. And that reality is being challenged by um, the fight for power of the African working class. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that last point that you made because I was thinking about that recently. Once you understand Chairman Omali Chatella's theory of African internationalism, and especially that point that it's colonialism, not racism, that we're looking at, which is different from what most of us are taught and what most of us learn. We learn to use the, the term racism to label any oppression of, of black people or African people that we see, oh, that's racism. But understanding that racism is the, is the ideas that are used to justify colonialism, it's the, the ideological underpinning, as the chairman calls it, and colonialism is the actual mode of production or the, the system, you know, the relationship mm -hmm. that's enforced by state power, uh, that it just becomes absurd. Like yeah. I see articles and headlines that are like, the Kyle Rittenhouse trial proves the American legal system is racist. Mm -hmm. It just, it's like a non sequitur. Right. It doesn't make any sense. Like, what do you do with that? Do you hold unlearning mm -hmm. racism mm -hmm. sessions with all of the judges in the United States and, and try to bring ant critical race theory into the law schools, which they probably already have, or what, right. what does it mean if it's, if it's about racism? So uh, it is, it makes it a Sisyphean task. It makes it, it's just meaningless. And, uh, as the chairman says, a self-defeating waste of time. And um, yeah, it's just really empowering to understand the colonial, the colonial analysis. Um, so yeah, I just, I just really appreciate that point. Yeah. Uh, thank you both. And you know, uh, Jesse, you mentioned critical race theory. Um, I, I wanted to pick up on that. I think this whole discussion of, uh, you know, racism or, or the ideas in the heads of white people, mm -hmm. as uh, Chairman Amalia Chatella has called it, is important because as you both pointed out, it's it's the system, it's colonialism that creates the need for that ideological justification. And the system of colonial capitalism is under assault. It's, it's not at its strongest point. It is on the defensive. And we see that in so many different ways. One of the ways that we see it currently is the Virginia governor's race mm -hmm. where uh, Glenn Youngkin won. And that represented a serious blow to the Democratic Party. Um, one of the things that Youngkin 
campaigned on was opposing critical race theory, especially in the public schools. He's you know in favor of uh, organizations of parents who want to ban or remove certain books from the curriculum or even from being available to read. I know here in Florida, there was a book on the trans experience that was removed. I believe Toni Morrison's Beloved has been targeted for for removal. I mean, the the, the level of intolerance is pretty shocking that, that these are, are considered books that, that are, are too much of a threat for um, a lot of white people who claim that they're tired of hearing about uh, discussions of race and oppression, and they just want things to go back to normal. You know, you, know, you remember that time, of course, in America, when we didn't have to worry about slavery and colonialism, when those weren't factors in public life. I don't, I really am not sure what they're talking about. And yet, this is the call. Um, so I just wanted to open that up for discussion, see if we can talk about that factor, not only of critical race theory, but of the intolerance, especially among white people, for any criticism of this system. Well, I, I think that it is important that white people learn and be exposed to the truth of this country and the world and how the system came about through violence and rape and pillage and enslavement and kidnapping and you know stealing mm-hmm. everything. I think that we do have to learn that. But I think that the conclusion can't be the struggle against racism that yeah. you know as Jesse was just saying that that doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. that the conclusion has to be the struggle for power in the hands of African people to make sure that no enemy of the people be they white or anything else ever had the power over the lives of African people ever again Because it's over and over. We see this every day. It's as if we're supposed to be surprised again when there's a Kyle Rittenhouse or Dylan Roof or, you know, another another one of these. Or we're supposed to be surprised when there's African resistance. Mm -hmm. But this is this is what, you know, colonized people do. They resist. They fight. They they kill the colonizer, which is. Truly, the only answer. France Fanon said that. Chairman O'Malley Chatella quotes France Fanon. Yeah. You know, like, what is the solution? The solution of the colonizer must be wiped out. So, you know, it's it, this is the struggle that is going on within the in in the crisis of this country, and that the only reason that a lot of school systems are struggling around this quick question of this this program that's called critical race theory is is because of the resistance yeah. of African workers and African people who are demanding, you know, as Chairman O'Malley Shatella has has stated for so long, that we, you know, we have to see the world as it really is, not as we want it to be, not the normalcy of the colonizer, which is requires the suffering and class peace of or national peace maybe you would say of of the african population inside this country and especially the african working class so going back to normal 
is, as the chairman used to say about peace, this peace on the plantation. It's um, that, you know, what we're talking about, what is disrupting and making um, people so uncomfortable and tired of it, white people, is the resistance of African people. And I, I did hear a read that this Glenn Youngkin, that his son had read, had been, you know, called on to read in, in high school or, or college, Beloved, and was just feeling so upset about that and so, um, you know, uncomfortable about it that he, you know, the Glenn Youngkin was outraged that his, his child would have to be submitted to looking at a little bit of reality yeah. in, in the classroom, you know, that, that child, white children should be exempt and live in the narrative of the colonizer. Right. And you can't, it's just not going to go back in the bottle. Mm. It's not going to be Columbus day mm. anymore. It is increasingly indigenous people's day. There's, all of the statues of the colonizer are coming down. And that is a, a step up towards anti-colonial struggle, bringing down colonialism itself. And it's not going to be like, well, 2020 was a year of resistance and, and 2021 and 2022, our reaction. Mm. You know, it's not going to be the pendulum swinging back and forth. Yeah. This is a struggle for power. And it will win all around the world, whether colonized people are in, um, you know, are the Lakota people in South Dakota or Mexican people across the border or African people here or in Africa or in the Caribbean or in Europe or whether they're Arab people anywhere in the world, oppressed and colonized peoples are fighting to overthrow imperialism once and for all, and to have political and economic control over their lives, over their peoples and societies and over their resources. So this is the world today and African internationalism is the political theory of the worldview of Chairman Omali Shatella and the African People's Socialist Party. And to me, it is so liberating for us. It is, uh, you know, it, it, it shows the world as it really is. And it's very simple. It's very simple. It's saying that, you know, that it turns the world right side up and is the narrative of African workers and the oppressed. And I think that's very exciting. And you know, so many white people, millions of white people are, are able to to join that and to be part of it. So very good. It's a great period. It's really Definitely. a great period to see this, to see the challenges that are happening in this country and in the world. Jesse, did you uh, want to comment on this uh, call from, from white people to bring things back to normal and stop talking about all these difficult topics of oppression? Well, I think that was that was very eloquently summed up just now by Chairwoman Penny and the whole thing about beloved and Yunkin's son. I don't know how old his son is. Do you know? Is he like thirteen or fourteen? Something like that? I think. Well, I think they actually don't read that book in high school. 
in most schools. I yeah. think they read it in college. So oh, okay. that's so what I've in, read. So he's having night, nightmares. He's a college kid having nightmares. I, I okay. think so. I don't well, whatever age he is, uh, I, I actually read that book when I was really young, Beloved, and it definitely gave me night terrors. It's, yeah. you know, and, and, but you don't run from that. It's, you know, it, it, it has that effect on you because, because in to, to some extent, you know, it, it does portray slavery mm-hmm. and it does portray the barbaric violence inflicted by white people against African people. Mm-hmm. And it is horrifying, but instead of trying to like run away from that or, or, you know, hide that reality that it's, you know, trying to reckon with that is what ultimately brought me into the Huru Solidarity Movement and wanting to find a way to rectify uh, my relationship to African people as a white person, you know, not just that book specifically, but just in general, mm-hmm. learning about, um, and then learning even more deeply about that through reading Overturning the Culture of Violence and, and the chairman's books. Um, so I just totally agree that we have to face those, those realities. And, um, and, you know, it reminded me of something I heard on the radio recently about Guantanamo Bay, uh, that there, there's a library at Guantanamo Bay that the, colonized people who are detained there, you know, have access to read books or whatever. And, but, you know, the selection of books is extremely limited, obviously. And they, the U S bans any books that they consider anti-American or promoting anti-American sentiment. And they started listing off what those books were. And the first two that they named were the narrative of the life of Frederick Douglass and uncle Tom's cabin. Whoa. (laughs) So Whoa. books about slavery is that's what would promote anti-Americanism, which I, mm-hmm. I just felt like that was really revealing about even how the U.S. understands what is the essence of Americanism mm-hmm. is slavery, the enslavement of African people. And, you know, anyway, so it just made me think of that. And yeah, I mean, if these white people are freaking out about beloved being taught in the universities, I can't wait until African internationalism, you know, become, which I know some professors are teaching African internationalism in mm-hmm. universities now. They are. Including Dr. Matsumela Odom, yes. who was on our show a few <laughs> few weeks ago. Um, so, I mean, the people who are freaking out now about critical race theory, I mean, their heads are going to explode when the more African internationalism ascends in the world. And it is, you know. So, yeah, it's very exciting. And I agree, it's a great period. It's a great time to be under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party building the movement for reparations. Uhuru. Uhuru. Wow. Well, uh, Chairwoman Penny Hess and Chair Jesse Neville, thank you so much for joining us today on Reparations in Action to sum up these these pressing issues in a, in a time of the decline of colonialism and the victory of the African Revolution. And I want to thank everyone out there who tuned in today to reparations in action. My name is Jamie Simpson. We'll see you next time. You're listening to Reparations in Action. Reparations now! This has been an episode of Reparations in Action, the White Lies Shattered series, a biased podcast of white solidarity with black power. My name is Jamie Simpson. This episode was engineered by Marcel Marius, who also composed our theme music. The show is researched and produced by Penny Hess, Jesse Neville, and Lisa Watson from the Black Power 96.3 FM studio in St. Petersburg, Florida. 
A shout out to Akile Anayi and DJ Eddie Maltzby, as well as the entire Reparations in Action team, Sandra Forrest, Johan Bedingfield, Amanda Carlozzi, Kyle Weiss, Marissa Ricchetti, Ali Aiello, Alana Woods, Declan Keller, Hallie Murray, and Sarah Ritterspock. If you liked what you heard today, you can go to Apple Podcasts and rate this podcast. If you have questions, comments, suggestions, please email them to us at ria at blackpower96.org. Special thanks to the African People's Socialist Party's Chairman Omali Yeshitela, without whose leadership and theory of African internationalism, none of the understandings presented on reparations in action would be possible. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week.